Hey there, I'm Tiffany Youngren, owner of Omage Agency, and welcome to Breakaway Agent. In a world full of real estate pros struggling to get ahead, there are a few who emerge and become wildly successful. If you are or are working to become one of these breakaway agents, then this show is for you. Thank you so much for listening. And even if you just get one thing out of this episode that helps your business grow, well, that is a huge win. Hopefully you'll get a few nuggets to help you move forward. Today, I'm so excited to welcome Jason Sapphire, founder and principal broker of EntryOnly.com. Jason is licensed in every state in New England plus California. He's a native of Sharon, Massachusetts and graduated from the University of Massachusetts Amherst. Jason has 10 nieces and nephews and he never gets tired of staring at the ocean. I cannot blame you one bit. Jason, thank you so much for being here and welcome. Oh, thank you. Pleasure being here. Yeah, yeah, I really appreciate you taking the time and I'm I'm really excited to hear what you have to say. I feel like you have some insight that um, we just don't get to hear much about and um, from a perspective that we don't get to hear from very much. So I'm, I'm just so excited to have you today. So why don't we start out? How about if you just tell me a little bit about yourself and what you do? Sure. Um, so I'm 43 years old. I reside in San Diego most of the time. But as you mentioned, I'm a licensed broker in every state in New England and California. So go back and forth, but the majority of my business, uh, almost all of the business is in New England. Um, I've been out here almost 11 years. So once uh, most of my business is online. So once I figured out how I could basically do it from anywhere, that's when I came to San Diego. And as you mentioned in the intro, uh, I love staring at the ocean. I, I lived on the beach for almost 10 years until I just got married and had a baby and Moved a little bit inland, but entryonly.com uh, back in 2006. So I'm in my 14th year doing that. I've listed close to 10,000 properties in that time. Um, probably about 4,000 of those have closed and um, still doing about 1,000 properties a year in listings. And the last two to three years, it's been about a 60% closing rate. So it's definitely been keeping me busy for sure. That's, that's amazing. That's outstanding. Well, very cool. Well, and how about if you talk a little bit about the entryonly.com model, the business model? Sure. So it's not that of a traditional model. It's more of a flat fee limited service agency. Although I do offer different levels of service, but the, the most popular is just the MLS entry only listing where the seller is responsible for showing it and negotiating and I'm providing the marketing um, through the MLS. And I also offer our contract review uh, package. And then I also offer a full service package where I'll assist them with negotiations before and after inspections and advise through closing. Um, the first package is mostly popular with the experienced sellers, uh, builders, flippers, investors, just experienced sellers. Uh, second package is more of a kind of a hands off. Um, you know, just you need a little bit of hand-holding. Usually homeowner occupants that have sold maybe a, a house or two in the last decade or so, and they're just not familiar with the latest contracts and uh, traditions of the real estate you know, industry. And then there's full service, which is for inexperienced and first-time sellers. They need a lot of hand-holding, and that's available to assist them with negotiations. Offers go through my office, and um, I'll advise them through the closing. So it's there's an array of services, but it's essentially 
like an a la carte um, kind of agency, limited service, uh, most of the listings, which they provide all their information right through the site, all the disclosures, listing documents, and then they can manage their listing through a portal on our website. Have you, have you always um, had this model? Had you sold real estate in a more traditional method, using more traditional methods in the past or have you always? I never acted as a, as a traditional buyer's agent or seller's agent. My family's been involved in real estate for 50 years. We've had a lot of rental properties, uh, sold investment properties myself. Uh, I'll act as a buyer's agent, you know, if it's a family member or myself. But no, I've never acted as a traditional agent. I, I started this company, you know, the, the intent of being a limited service agency and I've with that model ever since. Okay, very good. So do you, um, I guess I'm trying to think too, what kind of things would you, before I start with my questions, what kind of things would you like to share with other agents, either misconceptions or ways that they can benefit by what you're doing? Sure. Well, well, the biggest misconception is probably that a service like mine is taking away listings from other agents. So somehow they think I'm stealing their business. But the way I see it is to be in the MLS, sellers are required to offer a buyer's agency commission. And they, they average commission is 2.5%, which is typical for a co-broke in the New England area. So they're getting paid what they would usually get paid. So I like to think of it as I'm creating the opportunity for the buyer's agents to make money because a lot of the sellers that I list would not be in the MLS and offering a commission otherwise. And a lot of them are just builders, flippers, investors. They just don't need um, you know, a full service agent and they're just trying to save money. So it's hard to blame someone for trying to save money. Um, but that's one big misconception is that, uh, you know, like I'm ruining the industry or something. If they want to make money, they'll show the property. And these days I get less and less, um, you know, negative feedback. It, it typically comes to be diplomatic about it. The older, more traditional, less web savvy brokers. And those are fewer and fewer, you know, nowadays. So the, the younger generation, um, prefers to a do-it-yourself type option. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. And I mean, um, are there ways that other agents, like, is it something that you would recommend more agents embrace for their own business model? Or, or do you feel like, or what, what's your feedback on that? Um, well, to, to be the, the, the listing agent, like I act, um, you know, it's a niche market. There's probably only so many uh, you know, players that, that could be doing it. Um, so I, I can understand if listing agents wouldn't want to do it. It's a small flat fee. Uh, I, my range is anywhere from 400 to 1,000 just to get listed. Uh, so there's only, it, you got to do a high volume for it to really be worth your while. If, you, if your sole um, livelihood is real estate fees or commissions, then you have to do, you know, hundreds for it to be worth your while. Whereas if you just want to act as a buyer's agent on the other side of one of these listings, then it's just more of a traditional role that you're going to play. I would, I think there's always going to be buyer's agents out there. I think the listing agent side 
the commissions are getting, being driven down. There's going to be less and less listing agents as time goes by with, you know, um, technology develops like Zillow and Offerpad and all those kind of take the place of listing agents. There'll always be, you know, agents on both sides for luxury properties. But again, for the, the traditional just homeowner occupant house services like mine and technology that comes with Zillow and Offerpad, Open Door, and all those, it's it's going to make the listing agency side less. But I would focus on being a buyer's agent and just find those buyers and get paid like a normal agent does. So when someone brings a buyer to you, is do they notice a difference between um, if you have the listing or if a more traditional agent has the listing? Is there a difference in the in the showing and the transaction? The only difference in the showing is that the seller gives access to the property. A lot of them are on lockbox anyway, so that doesn't make a difference. Um, in the MLS, it is stated that it's an entry-only listing. I um, mean, that seller is responsible for showing it. If it's a listing where they are negotiating on their own, then it'll state that as well. Um, there's also like a frequently asked question sheet and instruction uploaded to every listing in the MLS that lets the, the cooperating agency know how to handle it. Um, but other than that, I mean, it looks exactly the same to the general public. So buyers don't, don't know the difference. Um, it just depends on the only difference might be the, the commission being offered. Some people offer 2%, some people offer 4%, but you know, average is two and a half. So I don't think it really makes much of a difference on that side. So what are a couple of the frequently asked questions that show up on your list for agents? Oh, just, you know, who do I deal with? Who do I submit offers to? Um, if it's a full service uh, listing, they can they'll submit offers to my office. I'll forward them to the seller. Otherwise offers get submitted directly to sellers. Agents sometimes will have, are, are nervous about that because they're not used to doing that. But, um, you know, I would just be forwarding to the seller anyway. Yeah. Let's see, you know, how do they get paid is, is a big one, but they just get cut a commission check at closing, just like a normal transaction. Um, who holds escrow? Typically the buyer's agency will hold escrow with these listings. And then they just deduct that from the commission at closing or a seller's attorney could hold escrow. Um, or anyone who's mutually agreeable. Um, I mean, it, it's really just a one-page sheet. I try to keep everything to one page for most things, just to keep it succinct. But. Keep, yeah. Well, that's that's really interesting, and I think it's really helpful to know more about kind of the ins and outs of this too. And you know, as we're talking to agents out, you know, who are listening right now, um, I think it's good to kind of have a broader knowledge of what that means. Um, you know, I remember when we were in real estate, uh, what, what's really happening and what the buzz is doesn't always match up. So I think this has really been great to kind of hear what is the reality when it comes to a transaction with, you know, the limited service type uh, situation. So I think that's really helpful. Yeah. Also in the New England states, we are attorney states, for the closings. So once there's been an accepted offer, that's usually when um, the agreements go to the attorneys and then the seller's attorney and the buyer's attorney coordinate drafting the, the purchase contract. So that kind of works out to my favor in the New England states, whereas other states, you know, goes right to the purchase contract and the title company. So it's, it's, uh, the closings are handled a little bit differently in New England, but it probably makes it easier actually 
for agents. Sure. That makes sense. So what does your, like, do you have a team that works with you or how, what does your uh, team structure look like? Yeah, I do have a team. Um, I'm the principal broker. So I'm, I review every listing that comes in. Uh, I have an admin assistant that does all the data entry updates. Um, I like to do status updates myself. Like when they actually close out the listing sold or under agreement, just to make sure everything is, um, you know, in compliance. I have a partner, uh, kind of an advisor. It's been on some different advisory boards just to steer my company in the right direction when I might have, you know, questions about the future. Um, I have a financial advisor. He's a mortgage broker that I consult with for mortgages. Um, I have a team mascot, which is my uh, my dog Divi, <laughs> occasionally, but. Um, yeah, so it's it's like five five people, and mostly advisory roles and um, admin, and then it's I've got it pretty streamlined and efficient. Where a listing comes in, I have all documents, disclosures, photos, descriptions. You know, I can review it all, make sure there's no red flags, it's all in compliance, everything looks good. I forward it to my assistant, she lists it, and then. Um, you know, hopefully it goes under contract within a day or so. Yeah. So when you first started out, um, I'm trying to get a sense of your growth pattern. Like, did you just go in and like bust it out and this is what I'm doing and then people just started running to you or what, what was, what were some of your struggles as you built your company? Um, well, let's see. Back in 2006, I started advertising on Google pay-per-click $100 per day. When I launched, and at that time I was charging like two fifty per listing, and I got two listings the first day. Oh wow! And literally almost every single day since then I've I've gotten listings. So I, luckily, you know, for me, I've you know never been in the red, which is very rare. Obviously, um, I've I've changed you know the way I market. Um, I started off in Massachusetts my home state. And then within a few months, I joined the other couple MLSs in Massachusetts. And then once I could really see that this was a viable business, then I expanded to New Hampshire, Rhode Island, and then eventually uh, Maine, Vermont, Connecticut. I, I like to keep it in New England. Um, also, just being licensed in more states than that is very time consuming. <laughs> yeah. This is an education, obviously. But um, yeah, it took me a few years to grow throughout New England. And um, yeah, I started maybe the first year I did, uh, I want to say maybe like a few hundred listings and I'm doing over the last three, four, five years, I've been doing over a thousand listings a year. So um, on average, double, di double digit growth percentage every year, which is always the goal. Yeah, that's incredible. That's really cool. So, um, you know, I feel like how we do one thing is how we do everything. So I'm imagining listening and being a, a more traditional agent and how to correlate how you built your business versus maybe how agents right now out, you know, hustling and, and like not really able just to throw a Google ad up and get, you know, clicks because the value proposition is so different. But, um, but I do think how we do one thing is how, how we do everything. And one thing that I asked you about before this interview were some things that 
I, I call your superpowers, but things that really set you apart and helped you get to where you're at. And one of them uh, you said was being really responsive, which is cool because you're talking about doing it at scale and how being responsive is something that comes on, I think, every time I talk to a real estate agent. So it just shows it's, it's very similar. But can you elaborate on that for me? Sure. Well, I, I, I would probably say being as responsive, responsive as I've been over the last like 14 years is probably one of the major reasons why I'm actually in business. Um, I try not to be available 24 hours a day. Although, you know, since my laptop is pretty much on my lap, almost every waking moment, I, it's hard not to return emails. Um, I try to shut the phone off at 5 PM. Although being on the West coast, a lot of the time works in my favor. Cause if it's three, four, five o'clock here, I'm still working, but it's, you know, six, seven, eight o'clock at night on the East coast. So, you know, they're calling and I'm answering the phone and they're sometimes surprised that they get a live person, um, the live, an actual broker. Um, but yeah, I mean, I set business hours, but in the end, I just respond, you know, pretty much 24 hours a day whenever I'm in front of the computer and I'll answer the phone. Another thing I've done to make sure someone always talks to a live person is I have a live receptionist service 24 seven, no matter anytime someone calls, they're going to speak to a live person, even though they may not have all the answers they're looking for. Um, they'll take a message forward to me and I get back to them, you know, as at my earliest possible convenience. But I, I've noticed just having that 24 seven live receptionist um, is huge. It's probably one of the best investments I've made throughout the entire company's history. Oh, wow. Wow. That's that. Yeah. That is a good way to leverage your time too. So that's very good advice. I highly recommend it to anybody. <laughs> And then also um, you mentioned being scalable and efficient, as efficient as possible to also be factors in your success. Um, are there habits that you've developed that you feel like you could pass on to other agents that would help no matter, no matter what they're doing or their approach that has sure. helped you be scalable and efficient? Um, well, with my business model, one way I was scaled efficiency was I actually developed a whole backend platform for sellers to log in, upload all their information. It's a streamlined process. Obviously that's not going to work for the traditional agent because they only get, you know, maybe a few listings a month. Um, but one thing I do do is I, you know, I get asked questions over and over and over again. So one little trick I have is in my email signatures, I've just created maybe 20, 30 different signatures where it has, you know, that canned response for the same question I get over and over, even if it's just a got it, you know, it just saves me that typing. Um, I would say with all those responses, I probably use, you know, a, a majority of my emails that go out every day, I can use one of those responses and it just saves minutes, you know, per email. Um, so over the course of a week, you know, I think of everything and how many hours have I saved? So over the course of the week, I'm sure I've saved, you know, even if it's two, three hours the entire week, you know, times that by 50 weeks. Right. hundred plus hours that you could be doing something else with your time. So that's one. Well, you think, that's one you think about how busy you are and even saving two hours. I mean, what would you do with two extra hours in one day? I mean, that's, 
pretty significant. <laughs> so absolutely. absolutely. And that's just um, the can canned responses like in Google or one of those. Um just kind of how do I update my listing? You know, it's yeah. just log into entry only, click on manage my listing, update status. And you know, there's all there's a whole I have a whole yeah. how to signature page where I there's about 20 different how to's, you know, how to update the sold, how do I add an open house, how do I cancel my listing? Um, it's one signature with 20 different things, and then I'll just delete what's, you know, not appropriate for them. Um, and I just, you know, even if it's just a got it, you know, thanks. Um, if it's a new client intro or an account follow, someone creates an account, they don't list their property, I have a follow up email that I, I'll send them, you know, maybe a couple hours or a few hours after they sign up, they, I see there's no activity, I'll send them that, but it's all canned responses. I'll tweak them as I need to. Um, you know, I always like to put their name in there and, you know, personalize it a little bit, but it, it saves me a ton of time and I recommend that trick to anybody. Oh, very good. Another thing that I asked you ahead of time was about a passion topic, something that you're just really, you um, get excited about talking about, especially with other real estate agents. Um, and you said, don't be complacent, keep an eye on the competition and invest in technology. How about, could you speak more to that? Uh, well, um, well, complacency is one thing I say, just don't ever be complacent because no how well you think you're doing, could always be doing better, I'm sure. Uh, I mean, I, I moved out to San Diego, you know, I was living by the beach. I'm, you know, staring at the ocean while I'm, you know, doing my, my listings and everything. And I'm like, wow, this is great. I can just you know, live like this forever. But same thing, once you start to get complacent, you know, you start to let things go and you let, you let them slide. And um, it's just easy to let things like slip away. So. I'm always looking for the next, you know, thing that can either make my business more efficient or myself more efficient or what else. Um, yeah, there's just so many different technologies these days that you can add on. That's sort of like, as far as like technology goes, everything I look at, how do I integrate it with my website, my platform, you know, widgets and APIs. And I mean, there's just so many different things that you, you could spend an entire day just looking up new products services that you could add on, you know, most of them are fluff, but if you're not looking for that next thing that can help either you be more efficient or your sellers be more efficient, then you're eventually just going to, you know, if you don't keep up on your site, you'll eventually be out of date and then you're going to have to create a whole nother thing, you know, come up to date. So it's just, it's, it's, um, it's just an ongoing, never ending process. A website to building a house. It's basically just a never-ending thing, and, and it's, you know, I'm not going to say a money pit, but it's a never-ending. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I always say that too. Websites are never done. Like we have never. launches, we have launches, but we don't have like you know, here it is, you're done. It's always like, okay, so now we're going to watch what happens and adjust and you know as, as you're exactly. saying where you're, you're talking about adding services and staying hungry and keeping on top of things your website should reflect that like i always say too like if i talk to you and then i look at your website that should make sense you know i shouldn't talk to you and then go to your website and go who is this person this is not mm -hmm. who i just talked to so i think that's really i think that's really wise and a lot of the technology is on the back end 
for clients. So you're never even going to see it. The front end of the website, the public side, it might only be like three or four or five pages, but the back end is a you know whole complicated system. And there's they can manage their listing, and then you know if I want to add on like a transaction management system, you know, which would be great. Where do I put that? How do they access it? How do I integrate it? You know, who do I integrate it with at first? Because I'm in six different states. I try to roll it out to one state. It's just, it's, it's a never ending process. And um, I mean, I, I love it because it, there's always something to do. It's just, there's never anything not. To do. <laughs> it's never boring, that's for yeah. sure. Well, um, and I like too that even with your amazing success growth, uh, you're still wanting to grow your business even now. So, what are a couple things, one or two things that you struggle with today when it comes to growing your sales? Oh, um, well, just, just finding the sellers is one thing. Um, I mean, it always seems like I'm trying to scratch and claw my way to as many listings as I can. Obviously, it's difficult to, you know, I, I don't have time to sit on the phone and call every single Isbo you know, I see or anything. So I, I try to do things in kind of scale because it's a high volume business. Um, just spending money, you know, where to advertise, how much to spend, you know, what makes sense. I spent over $10,000 sending out postcards last year and I barely got a response. Hmm. You know, I'm not going to say it was a failure because I learned kind of not what to do with it, but um, yeah, there's always a struggle just finding the listings. Um, I try to do referrals, you know, take in as many referrals as I can. I don't know any agent that doesn't take, take referrals. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Just a, it's it's a matter of just finding just finding ways to grow. Um, you got to spend money a lot of the time just to make money. So even if even if you're breaking even on some advertising, you might be building growth um, just through revenues. Uh, I I always put that towards kind of brand awareness referrals. So even if I spend five thousand dollars on Google. If I got $5,000 worth of business, I see it more than just breaking even. There's a, there's a value to every customer or client that you provide them with excellent service, excellent responsiveness, and then they'll refer you to other people. And then the, all those listings, you get the brand awareness. So it's, it's, it's a struggle to, to find them and, and where to spend money on it, but you just get to experiment, try different things. That's what I do. That's awesome. That's such a good attitude too to have towards that. And it, it sounds like you really like that whole concept of lifetime value of the client versus just looking transactional. Absolutely. I, mean, I think that's yeah, really I good. Take a referral, um, you know, not a lot of money, but if I provide excellent service to that seller, I know they're going to come back to me and I know they're going to refer me to their friends. So I, I see it as a lot more than just, you know, one. What would you say, um, or do you have any, Okay, sorry, I have to pull myself together for a minute. Do you have any daily rituals that you feel set you up for success? Let's see, daily rituals. Um, not sure, I get up about 7 a.m. every morning um, for the wife bringing the baby in to feed, so that's nice. Around the first half hour, he's messing with me and my computer or in bed, so that's, that's a daily ritual. Lately, so that uh, gets me motivated to work. Um, 
let's see, open up the email. I delete about 50 different, uh, you know, spam. And then I, I just work my way up from the bottom. Um, and then I try to get to a, you know, what I call a clear window by the end of the day um, that I've accomplished everything for that day. But I don't know, I just, I just jump right into it. I don't really have a ritual. I have an espresso <laughs> started. That's probably what gets me set up for the day. <laughs> No wonder you're so successful. That's awesome. <laughs> I love, you know, there's a lot to be said for having your why for this whole thing show up first thing in the morning and, you know, get to connect for a minute with, with the baby. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, that gets me going. So, okay. The next little segment I call rapid fire tool chest. So I'm going to, I'm going to say something and then you tell me your favorite tool book, person, whatever is appropriate for the for an appropriate response for what I say. You ready? Okay. Okay. So time blocking, do you do it? And if so, what tool do you use? Mm, I'm not sure if I, I probably don't do anything traditionally, but um, I try to end the day at 3 p.m. West Coast time. Um, I don't really use a tool for it. I, I mostly go by my computer's clock. <laughs> That's about it. Okay. Favorite technology? Oh, um, well, I like Zoom. That's great for conferencing. I use uh, Rackspace Webmail, which is, works perfect for me. My favorite technology right now is the, the backend platform I'm developing for my sellers, um, which will just make it so much even more efficient than I am now. So um, I'm looking forward to, to getting that done. That's really exciting. So do you use a CRM? Um, the, the platform I use now has kind of a built-in CRM with it. It's not, you know, it doesn't even have a name. Okay. Um, other than that, I, I, I email myself a lot. So I'll just send myself a quick note. I'll just email it to me. And that way it's in my inbox. So until I've dealt with it, it's just going to sit in my inbox. Okay. Okay. Uh, how about, do you have a sales pipeline management? No. Okay. All in my, then, either my head or my email. <laughs> and so transaction management sounds like your new uh, platform is going to have that. Or no. Or what do you use for uh, transaction management? Sorry. So uh, favorite tool for transaction management? Oh, transaction management? Um, yeah, the, the platform I use, uh, it's all the status updates are all done right through the platform. So that it's, it's very convenient for me. Okay. Do you have any favorite books? Oh, my. It's, it's been a while since I've actually read books. Um, and by that, I also mean like Audible or TV shows. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm including those. Um, oh, like real estate related or just anything? Just anything. Oh, well, um, my wife and I, we binge watch a lot of stuff. So some of the recent ones were, um, let's see, uh, we're watching Narcos right now. Oh, okay. Um, we just watched a Netflix one called Dark, which was actually based in Germany. So everything was dubbed in English. That was a weird one. 
Okay. <laughs> a lot of Netflix shows. Okay, very good, very good. Um, and then, do you have who has been a mentor to you, just overall? Um, well, my father, for one. Uh, he's been real estate and over probably fifty years. So, both my parents happen to be attorneys as well. So, whenever I, you know, have a question about pretty much anything, I know I can bounce it off them and get two different opinions and um, some excellent free legal advice. <laughs> That's very helpful. How about real estate teacher or coach? Cool. Um, real estate teacher or coach? Um, my, probably my, my father again. I mean, he's been doing it for so long. I, anytime I have a question about you know, what he thinks might make a good investment or good attributes to a property. You know, I bounced them off him first usually. Okay. And uh, a training resource that you swear by? Um, well, I'm licensed, like you said, in you know, seven states. So uh, I always use um, CE Shop. I'm sorry, what was that? CE Shop. It's, okay. a, it's a real estate school. Um, you know, I spend a lot of time doing continuing education. So they have a great platform where it's, uh, you know, they have like live instructor and um, I can take one class. It might be good for multiple states. So it's it, excellent platform they have. So I, I like that a lot. Okay, very good. What is the most underrated resource in your industry? Why? Um, I don't know, that's a good question. I, uh, I'm trying to think of the resources I use on a daily basis. Um, I mean, I, I like to go even go on Zillow. I know a lot of people hate Zillow, but I, I like to go on there sometimes even before I go to my MLSs to, to look for properties. Awesome. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll go there. So. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I think it's a very underrated resource. Um, is there anything that I should have, that I didn't ask that maybe I should have or anything else that you want to share? I think, I think we covered, I mean, I, you, you got my business model pretty much down. So I, I help mostly for sale by owners and people that want to save money. Um, a lot of builders, flippers, investors will use my company to list their properties. So um, it's, it's still a very niche. Um, segment of the market, but it is becoming more and more popular. It's definitely not going anywhere. Um, if you're an agent and you, for some reason, think I'm single-handedly ruining the industry, <laughs> I think that's probably the greatest compliment I've ever received. <laughs> can do that, then I'm really doing something right, I guess, because I'm, if I'm yeah. that disruptor. I Give don't it think that moniker. There you go. And I think we talked about it before uh, when we originally were talking about doing this interview, the whole idea that you were doing it before. I mean, I know real estate agents who are listening, they're probably not going to think it's cool, but before it was you know, cool, but before it was also more, it seems more mainstream now to have other options. You know, I think people are becoming more sophisticated in the way they want to um, consume and Part of that is services related to real estate. And I think it's just one more option for people that aren't a good fit for real estate agents. So why not have 
a really viable option and, and you do have to do it at scale to make, have it make sense. So I think yeah, it's, it's, not, it's not a model for everybody, but um, you know, you dedicate your resources to it. And yeah. Awesome. Okay. This is my last question. I am a huge foodie. Um, are you still with me? Okay, good. Yep. Okay. So I'm a huge foodie. And so I always end my uh, interviews with this question. What is your favorite dish and where do you get it? I was actually ready for this question because oh. I watched <laughs> you your, your episodes. So I knew it was awesome. Coming. Good job. Yeah. Um, so I had some time to think about it. So I actually have two. Okay. I figured I'd take one from Massachusetts and one from San Diego. Perfect. So Massachusetts, every time I go home, there's a place called Town Spa Pizza. It's in the neighboring town. It's been around for like 50 years. Near a helicopter going out. Um, so whenever I go there, it's like personal, personal pizzas. I get a pepperoni and linguisa pizza. It's, um, have to get it every single time I go home. Awesome. And you said that was town spot. Town spot. Okay. Spot. Very nice. And then um, when I'm in San Diego, there's a place called Pacific Beach Shore Club, and they don't make this. Uh, dish anymore, but it was a California burrito. And I don't know if you ever had a California burrito, but it has like, it uh, has meat, french fries, <laughs> salsa. It's literally the best meal I think I've ever had in San Diego every time I got it. And they took it off the menu a few years ago and still every <laughs> time I go in there, I say, you know, when you bring the California burrito. <laughs> do, oh man, I, I hate it when they do that, when they pull something really popular like that. Well, that sounds interesting. And you said California burrito. I did not expect to hear the word French fries, I have to say. <laughs> so um, like, and even, yeah, no, I'm, I will definitely look it up. <laughs> so, well, awesome. Well, Jason, thank you so much for sharing your time with us. And I feel like you shared some really great insight and into an area that we just don't get to hear about a lot and I just really appreciate it and value it. Thanks, I had a great time. Good, good. And uh, thanks so much to Taylor who is also in this room. Um, you can't see her, but um, she is my right-hand person and make sure everything's flowing smoothly. So, um, and thanks everyone to listen, for listening and remember the best is yet to come.